Get ready for another amazing Insights Marketing Day with powerful, fun, engaging, and instructive speakers who are proven authorities in digital marketing and thought leadership. From social influencing to web, blogging to presenting with power and learning to collaborate through it all, Insights Marketing Day covers a range of topics that need to be addressed for a successful, comprehensive, and interconnected marketing plan. We talk big picture with strategy and annual content calendars down to granular level micro actions so you leave informed and inspired. Each speaker will provide essential tips, actionable advice, and tools to improve your and your company's marketing. Join me, Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird at Little Bird Marketing, and our keynote, Ann Hanley of Marketing Profs, followed by crowd favorites, Andy Crestadina, Johanna Walker, and Dino DeLich. There will be meaningful networking, a marketing practitioner's panel, and besides delicious breakfast and lunch, we always deliver afternoon gelato. That all happens before we wrap things up with an amazing happy hour, gorgeous swag, and serious prizes. This is the most fun you'll have building your personal brand, marketing prowess, social influence, and game-changing skills for the digital age. Don't miss Insights Marketing Day this year in Chicago, September 28th. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com slash insights hyphen marketing hyphen day. You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. I just love having other women on this podcast, first of all, because women rock and you haven't met Amishu Tucklecar, but let me just tell you, you are going to just love her spirit. She actually brings me joy. So this is kind of having other women in our industry, especially women so savvy about technology is going to be super great for this episode, but I am telling you the whole idea of this podcast of digital transformation success and saying, Hey, we're going to take our egos out of the equation and we're just going to come and talk about how businesses are really solving technical problems, but how are they doing it step-by-step and what technologies are they using? What are they leveraging? But more importantly, how they are approaching these issues and how they're thinking about these issues. I couldn't think of someone better for that type of leadership than Amishi. So thank you for joining me on the podcast. 
Thanks, Priscilla, for having me. I have been hearing your podcast for a while. So finally, I got the invite. So I'm <laughs> here and looking forward to the conversation. Well, I know you can help so many people. And that's why I invited you on because you are at such an interesting intersection of helping people manage change in their own organizations. And these are very large organizations. You're working with Fortune 500 companies. And I'll give you a minute just to talk a little bit about who your client is. But you're using technology and saying, hey, business is moving fast. Consumer changes are moving fast. How can we bring technology to you? So tell everybody a little bit about what Nailbiter does and what clients are really seeing the most amount of benefit from you. Yep. So just a little bit about Nailbiter. We are a video analytics platform. So basically we use video to collect data for our clients. And these videos are made by shoppers and consumers as they're making purchase decisions, shopping decisions, consumption decisions at home. The main premise of starting the company was the fact that historically, the way we have collected data on behaviors has been based on recall. What people have done in the past, what products did they use? If I were to ask you, Priscilla, hey, what toothbrush do you use if you don't use like a $100 toothbrush? I'll actually ask that too. You know, what toothbrush do you have at home? What do your kids use? What's the brand? No idea. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I'll lie to you. I'll lie to you and give a good guess, but I'm not going to be right. I'm sure. (laughs) Exactly. And that is what is the world we're living in, right? I think we go into the store or we go online, we buy what we like, and then we forget about it. But then when I ask you that question, to your point, you're not going to lie. You're going to give me your best guess. That's the main thing that we're solving for, which is why ask shoppers and consumers questions where they have to rely on recall or something that they may not even know or be aware of what they did versus just observing them. So we just want to see what they do. We want them to just narrate whatever it is that they're doing as they're making these decisions And then on our end, we are collecting these videos and literally tagging them for like hundreds of data points. Okay. I love this because as a cultural anthropologist, I'm thinking this through. And so you think about, it's not necessarily if I have terrible recall, which personally I do, (laughs) but (laughs) I would have had a full on conversation, maybe even subconsciously with myself at the point of purchase to say, oh, I was going to get this one. Oh, I know this brand, this brand catches my eye. I trust this brand, or I have some kind of emotional connection to it that I don't really understand totally subconscious or my grandma used this brand or (laughs) whatever it is that I'm unaware of in the moment, but I would have had some kind of a maybe two second, three second, or even longer conversation with myself just mentally. And then I made a, a choice, but I may have spent more of my time thinking about a different brand, but that wasn't my final choice. So I see this, what you're sharing being even more complicated than people even see on the surface. Exactly. And you'd be surprised to hear this. Most of us think we are so brand loyal. I think I am, right? But if I'm shopping for a toothbrush at CVS or Walmart or Target, I go in thinking, I know I buy this X brand and I know I'm going to buy this. But when I go in, guess what? I see a new pink toothbrush, pink being my favorite color. I may just decide to buy it. Again, Planning aside, that's how consumers, people behave. If they see something new or see something that's interesting and if it catches their eye and if they think it's the right price, they're going to make that decision. 
Okay, let's talk about that because we're going to get into brand loyalty and how we think we're brand loyal, but we're not. But it's funny you just mentioned, if I walk into CVS, Walmart, or Target, even that choice was some kind of a brand choice, which then eventually led me to purchasing a specific product, maybe because of a shelf display, or maybe because of an offer. Or if anybody could ever explain to me how Target Circle works, then maybe because of that, but nobody's been able to explain that. So (laughs) anyway, but I love this idea that you're fighting recall, but you're also fighting this concept of brand loyalty. And then we're also fighting this experience in the moment of what might change our behavior as a consumer. So let's talk about brand loyalty. My good friend, Rebecca Brooks from Alter Agents, she's written a book about brand promiscuity. (laughs) So about how we all like to cheat on our favorite brands and things. And I love this idea, but from your perspective, having created an amazing technology to deal with this issue, what are your thoughts about brand loyalty? I look, brand loyalty is one of the number one factors where people choose what they choose. I think at the end of the day, that's what is the premise for a lot of these brands building the advertising or the loyalty around it. However, what we have seen is that shoppers and consumers in a lot of our CPG categories, which is where we play, are not necessarily loyal to just one brand. It's very few categories and very few brands that have exclusive loyalty around it. They usually have two or three that they're thinking about. Now, on a trip, they might be thinking of one brand. Now, you mentioned retailers, CVS versus Target versus Walmart. Interestingly enough, there's a Walmart and a Walmart.com. That also changes what you're going to buy, how you're going to buy, which brands you're going to interact with. So then when you bring on the e-commerce element to it, which also we collect data on, it's such an interesting dynamic of in-store versus online. But then think about this third aspect, which is people pulling up their phones in the store because they don't see their product on the shelf and then trying to go online and buy it. So again, that's just the way We have access to so much information at our fingertips and that's where shoppers and consumers are gravitating towards. So brands have to work that much harder to keep their consumers into their portfolio because let's say, for example, on Amazon.com, I could have my own cookie brand. And if someone comes in and just searches for cookies, if I do my placement right, I'll be the first brand that pops up. And they might be looking for Oreos or chips or like our top brands. And those might be like 10 brands down the order. And because I pay Amazon enough money to promote me, that's the world we are living in. And that's what these brands are fighting. Okay. So brands are fighting these issues. So let's talk about why on this podcast, why do I have you here? We talk about digital transformation success. Brands have to change what they are doing, how they're approaching the market so that they can get better intel about what is going on and make more informed decisions. So help people just break it down. This is like, explain it to your mom moment. What does nail biter actually do? So I'm a consumer and I'm about to either walk into a store or I may be walking into a store virtually. So what happens there? Yep. Great question. I love that you asked this. So literally what we ask, we know that Priscilla is a shopper or a consumer and she's planning through the questions that you answer or through your shopping list, which is what we ask you to make. We know you're planning to shop for cookies in Walmart. So what we'll tell you is that, hey, Priscilla, next time you're at Walmart and your cookies is on your 
shopping list, can you just make a short video and tell us what it is that you're going to buy? So what you're doing is literally turning on your phone. The camera is pointing the aisle. You don't have to show us your face or anything. And we ask you to just narrate what it is that you're doing. So as you were saying, I'm thinking in my head, all we are saying is talk it out aloud. And then what we get is the video of the shelf, the way the products are laid out, the prices on it, which products you're touching, which ones you're engaging with, which ones you end up putting in the cart. But in addition to that, I also get your audio because you may come in and say, hey, I am looking for Oreos. My whole family likes it. And then you kind of go, go around, you know, walk down the aisle, make your decision and end up buying some product, whether it was Oreos, whether it was something else. We get hundreds of data points from that one, two, three minute, depending on how much time you spent from those videos. And then what we're doing is informing a cookie brand at some point who's a client of ours as to what's happening with their category. Did your shoppers even notice your product on the shelf? When they did, what was driving it? What was not driving it? And hey, if they noticed it, did they end up buying it? Did you make it to the cart? So again, a lot of sales data will tell them what they're selling, what nobody's selling them is why are they getting rejected versus why are they what's driving that purchase decision. And that's what Nailbiter does. Right. So the next time you talk with a cookie brand, Amishi, just tell them this from me, <laughs> is that yes. I always look for the Girl Scouts because they have thin mints and the word thin is right in the name. And so, I mean, <laughs> it can't be bad for you. So maybe they could get that feedback and work that into what they're doing, but That's it is totally case in point, right? So you're talking about one dot of a shopper experience and then translating that into understanding of hundreds and then thousands of shoppers, what could be going on? What could be trending? But I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. So we talked about brand loyalty and how people want shelf space. They want, they'll put offers out. They want to even get that serendipitous buy. I didn't come in for cookies, but look at that. I found them, everything else. But one interesting thought I had about your technology and really about how businesses can use it to transform what they're doing digitally in terms of insights and even product development is not just the opportunity with the existing client, but what are they hearing when people are shopping that could help them understand how to actually gain new customers. So tell me a little bit about how some of your amazing clients, I know you can't name names, but as some amazing clients have thought about using this technology, almost not maybe R&D, maybe, but also more in like trend forecasting and being able to see some interesting opportunities out there. Let's take a short break. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice to have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural 
It's cost-effective and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale, build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. And that's exactly what's happening, especially after... 2020 and COVID happening, the ups and downs and the changes that we've seen, COVID and then inflation and talks of recession and the new normal keeps coming up every year in some way, shape or form, right? <laughs> well, yeah, let me know when we hit there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, can you tell me when we get there? Yep, exactly. And that's where if you are, like what our clients are doing that we work with and when, when we talk about our clients, these are your top 20 CPG companies and more, right? At least the top 20 and many more across the world. And what they're doing is working with us on an ongoing basis using our platform so that these videos are coming in on an ongoing basis. And we're able to tell them that as consumer mindset, shopper mindset is changing, how is that impacting the way they shop, the way they engage with brands and their consumption? And I think that has become a really important pulse that clients are keeping or the manufacturers are keeping on their shoppers and consumers with us because as some of these shifts happen, a lot of these shifts may not be very big. So you may not even see that if you're doing other research, you may not even see it on the radar. But when you've been tracking something over three, four, five years, some of these smaller trends start to come up and we're able to be the eyes and ears for our clients on the ground telling them, hey, We are hearing this claim is coming up more and more for your category. Have you thought about it? You currently don't seem to be talking about it, but your competitor is. Again, we want to bring it to your attention. This could be one way in which you can get more share. So that's how they're thinking about it. So it's not just the technology. It's also how smart is the team who's using the technology? (laughs) And I got to say video metrics, it's just not happening out there in a lot of other spaces. And so in the insights, it's, it is a very unusual niche that you all have to really deliver the, in the moment feeling the, in the moment conversation, the, in the moment decision, you mentioned, they're not just noticing it, but carting it. Like, is this making it to the actual shopping cart? Are they going to buy it? So I find that super interesting, but let's back up just a little bit more about Amishi because I was just at the Insights Association annual conference and Reed Kundiff, the CEO for Sago, actually said this. He said, we're all in the technology business now. 
And I thought, oh, that's funny. I mean, she's been there for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what it's like for you as a data scientist coming to insights, brand development, market research. So how do you think you think differently about insights and getting the data because of your data scientific background? So one of the key kind of genesis of it, right, historically, and you've talked to a lot of researchers, that's where we met. And traditionally, quantitative research equal to surveys. Today, in 99% of the work that happens in the industry, anytime the word quantitative comes up, it's tied to surveys. And surveys have been around for a long time. They have a role to play and they do a job really, really well. The thing that we wanted to do when we started Nailbiter was how do we use technology, which was smartphones and video at that time? I mean, that was something that was taking off. The company started in 2014. So your iPhones and everything, everyone had one. And so what we wanted to do was, we know surveys have a role to play, but they also have their limitations. How do we create something that is scalable where and quantifiable, where we are not actually following people around in the stores or asking them questions, something that can be done at a global scale? get these insights in a better way, which is what I believe we are doing is collect watching people behave the way they behave versus asking them in a survey on why you did what you did. The way we do it is a much better way, much more actionable, much more real. It may not be perfect, but it's better than what has been around for the longest time. And that's where the like video came in. Now, we tried and failed at a lot of things. We tried Google Glass. We tried those headsets, but none of these were scalable models. What where we kind of struggled was with phones, because literally now 90% of the countries in the world, people have smartphones and they use these phones all the time. And everyone has become so much more comfortable making videos. And that's where the technology aspect came in. Okay. Maybe this is not business appropriate, but I would agree with you in that people would sooner leave their house without pants on than leave without their phone. (laughs) I think it's already happening, Priscilla. Oh, no. Oh my gosh. Don't we want to go back to a new normal? Please don't let it be this. But you say that it's so interesting about always being looking for a way to leverage technology. The technology itself is not the thing that saves us. It's the application of it and to say, what data do we really need? If we were to make a better decision at XYZ cookie company, at XYZ chip company, what would we want to hear from people? And that is pretty cool because I think about my Nokia that I had earlier that was not a smartphone. (laughs) It couldn't have done the job. And so now this is just a completely normal part of our day in and day out. And nobody feels in that way shy using a smartphone and talking to it pretty intimately, honestly, like I might even be looking at a product and be like, yeah, that reminds me of my grandma. And I don't have a hard time sharing that because smartphones are completely inside of the intimate part of our lives. So I can see how you're getting that real, real in the moment. Yep. And it's less burden on the consumer. Today, if I ask you to spend 30 minutes on a survey answering questions about toothbrushes versus asking you to make a short video and telling me, answering a few questions, you would probably prefer 
the video than sitting on your computer or your phone and trying to scroll through these questions and trying to type out open-ended responses. No, Amishi, I would not only prefer it, I would never answer the survey. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. If you ask me to just do a quick take on why am I going to choose this and what's my feeling walking down this aisle, the reality is that consumers do want to express to brands what they want because they want to co-create what they want to see on the aisle. And you can joke all you want. It's like, be the change you want to be in the world. No, people want to force the change they want to see in the aisle, what they want to buy. And they want brands to respect their values and respect their opinions, but they've got to get them heard some way. So tell me a little bit about your experience, just as we wrap up here, a little bit of where you see some of this technology going or where you see it really working so powerfully? Like, what does it mean when brands are really successfully using this digital technology throughout their company? Look, I think uh, where I see this going is, at least as a company, we continue to grow and continue to be successful. I think the industry itself is waking up to the fact that surveys have their flaws. And I think that's where when anytime we go to any of these conferences, that's the first question, like cheater detection, and how do we make sure we get good data and quality data? And that's where video, we don't have to worry about that. Robots cannot make videos today. We'll find out <laughs> Today, I don't know about tomorrow, but today. <laughs> they cannot make videos today. You know that this person is in the store, in front of the products, talking through things. You know it's a human. You can hear their voice. You can... There's very little cheating that can happen in this world when you collect data in a certain way. So we're kind of dissuading people from doing the wrong thing and encouraging them to do the right thing by making it easy. And that's where I see a lot of companies kind of going to that because it also makes things more efficient, more believable. You can take actions against it because in a lot of research today, the test retest data may not come up as good as you may have seen in the past because of all like technology in reality right now is causing more problems in the industry than helping aid like the survey farms. And like every time I'm in any conference, that's the number one topic that research CEOs and companies are talking about, like how do we get better data? And that's where I see that technology can help if used in the right way. We just have to open our minds and just think about how we use some of these things available to us to guide it in the right, take it in the right direction. Okay. So pretend I'm a CPG brand (laughs) and walk me through how cumbersome is this to set up? Like, how can I talk with someone and say, look, we have something on the shelf and we just got to know what's going on. We feel so in the dark. Where would you start with them? Well, just call us first or email us. And then literally what we have is our metrics and our KPIs are set. This is not a custom house. We come to us with your questions We have proven metrics that companies are using and literally within a span of four weeks from start to finish, from the time you talk to us, we can get all your questions answered. We are talking to hundreds to thousands of shoppers depending on your needs. So it's a very scalable and in an efficient way getting those answers to our clients. Again, you can do it as an ad hoc study. You can do it as a platform depending on your needs. That's where we can flex this technology to answer the questions that our clients are coming to us with. And I think that's what they're loving about it, that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. But at the same time, the KPIs can be used from one brand to the next, from one retailer to the next, and kind of continue to grow. 
Yeah. I see only successful brands are saying we have to be listening to the consumer. And I can't think of another brand who really is putting really, I don't even have to use it in quotes, voice of the consumer in the front and center, because you are actually listening to the voice of the consumer with your technology. And I think that's super cool, Amishi. Thank you. Yeah. And like I last, what I'll say is that there are some companies out there who do collect videos, but I think it's done in a very qualitative setting, whether you're talking to 10, 15, 20 people, and then you're trying to dissect and create findings from that. And that's where we are different, where it is done in a quantitative setting. You don't need three different things to come together. You can do this one thing and it kind of hits all your questions. You get the what, you get the why, and you can combine the two and get that full story from start to finish. Okay. Now you made me hungry. So now I want some cookies, <laughs> but um, maybe that's just a danger of the job. You have to get to know Misha Takahara. I'll put it in our show notes. She's a good friend of mine. You can hear from just the way we like to talk and like to hang out, but it is interesting. Things are moving at such a fast pace. And Misha's right. The first thing we hear about when we talk with experts in insights is how concerned they are with the quality. And is this really a person? Is it a bot behind the survey? And so this is taking that question out of the equation at the very beginning. And, and I do love that. So as you think about digital transformation success at your company, think about what technology can be leveraged, but as with anything, it's about the people who leverage it. How are we going to take that data? How can we quickly get that data? And can we make better decisions from it in a very short time? Because things, listen, people, they're moving super fast. Amishi, thank you so much for joining us today. I totally appreciate it. I can't believe it, it took this long to get you on my podcast, but I know that the audience is really going to love the encouragement that you have. Thank you so much, Priscilla. Have a nice day. If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.